scripture says for us to enter through the narrow gate, it says for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. The broad way is an expanded way. And what I mean by this is there is no easy path to God. The path to God is not an easy path. It is a sacrificial path, and it is a way that requires for us to submit or to give up or to lay down. It isn't something that we think that, like in the world, we think it's a broad way and it's, and it's the easy path and it's the stuff that comes to us naturally. Scripture shows a, a passage to us in, in John chapter 6, which I think explains all of this. Jesus is at the height of his ministry in John chapter 6. Okay, The story that we're told here, remember now, in the book of John, this, the stories are not linear. This doesn't happen one right after another. So John just picks stories that show or, or make a point that John is trying, or, or statements that Christ made about himself. And then John takes correlating stories that had happened in the walk of Christ, and he sh shows those as the examples of the statement that God made to us through Christ Jesus. Like Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the gate, which, which is what we're going to study and look at today. He makes all these statements, and then there are stories that come out of it. Well, John chapter 6 is a great example of what's going on here because uh, he says, I am the bread. All right, And he says, I am the living water, I am the bread of life. And so in this statement that he makes in John chapter 6, I want you to see what happens throughout all of it. Okay, In the first part of John chapter 6, he's at the height of his ministry, and he is just about to feed the 5,000. Let's go on ahead and read the scripture in John chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And after these things, he went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus answered them and said, Truly and truly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. All right? So as Christ makes this statement right here, what is, he, what is he beginning to see to this crowds of people that are following? In other words, a lot of people are following Jesus at this time, but are they following him because he is the Savior of the world? Or are they following him because their stomach is empty and they want to be fed? All right? All right, they're doing this because they want to be physically fed. They want to have all these things taken care of for them at their moment of need. Okay, And so as following Christ, and he saw him break the, with the bread and the fishes and the loaves, they were fed and they were filled and they were like, Hey man, this is a great thing. Let's just follow this guy to the other side of the sea. Well, what has transpired since he fed the 5,000 was he retreated, remember? He retreated into a time of prayer and told his disciples to get in the boat and to cross the other side of the lake. And then in the middle of the night, what did he do? He walked on the water to get out there to them, right? And so all this stuff is happening. And then when, when they get in the boat, where is he when he gets in the boat? Does anybody remember what happens when immediately, Scripture says, when he got into the boat, he was where? On the other side of the lake, all right? So he gets in the boat, and then they're immediately on the other side, and these people realize that, hey, they're no longer here. They're over here, so we got to go follow them so that we can have all this stuff taken care of. So large, massive amounts of, of crowds of people are following Christ at this time to have signs performed and to see things. It's almost kind of like a show. It's almost kind of like for them just a place where they can go to be entertained to see what's going to happen next. And in a lot of cases in this world today, we make a relationship with God to be like this. 
We want to draw everybody into the world by being just like the world and having a show that's performed and being performers either through song or through um, creative arts that go up on stage or through somebody that speaks because they're a great communicator. But that's not the reality of what God has called us to in ministry and what a relationship with God is all about. It's not about the masses. Now, please hear me on this. It's about an individual relationship that people have with Christ Jesus that affects us to the masses. Are you hearing me? Because that's different. It's not that we're not supposed to reach the world, but we try to entertain and draw the world into this. And this is the same thing that's going on in the ministry of Christ at this time in John chapter 6. Huge crowds of people are following him. But the broad is the way that, and, and wide is the path that leads to what? Destruction. And so God is not calling for us to try to reach the world that way. It's not trying to call for us to take the things of this world, bring them into the church, and then use them in a way to draw the world in. It's calling for us to have a relationship with God personally ourselves, which is a high degree of difficulty, and then go out into the world and minister to those people as individuals so that they can have a personal relationship with Christ. And so Jesus begins to try to explain this to this way of thought to the people that are following. In verse, he goes on with them in chapter 6, but in verse 35, let's pick it up again. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will no longer hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me will cert- I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given to me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself have raised him up on the last day. Oh my goodness, what is he talking about here? He's like, okay, so now I'm the bread of life, and now I'm... I'm water, that I'm, I'm the essential things that you need for everyday life. And then he says to me that I, my life that I give to you here is going to be an eternal life and that you must have this person. So see how he takes this broad path where all these people are following and they, they're coming because their bellies are full. And now he says, you know what? Every single one of you has to have a personal relationship with me and I am the very essence of what your life should be. That's a completely different story, is it not? To go from, hey, this popular thing where everybody's following Christ so that they can see these miracles formed and these signs happen and to have their stomach filled and so that they, they're just traveling around like this very merry band of folks and it's growing larger and larger and larger. And finally, the Lord says, hey, time out. You guys need to understand what this is all about. And so he has a stark discussion with them and he begins to tell them, what really has to happen in our lives for us to truly be fully devoted followers of Christ. And I want you to know it's a huge wake-up call. It's a huge wake-up call for the people that are out there in the crowd, and it's a huge wake-up call for us here today. 
Because he says to us that it's about a relationship that I have with you. And my relationship with you determines how I flow out of you and, and what happens in your life and through your life. So he's saying, it's all about me. I'm the very bread and the very water that you guys need and that I need for us to even exist. And that for you to come to me means that, means that you have to lay down all of this and follow after me. So he begins to try to say this to them, and he starts to lay this groundwork. Let's pick it up again later in verses 60 and 61. And then when he, as he begins to talk about this, I'm just going to tell you what t transpires in the verses in between. He says, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. You know, talking about communion and, and the example of that. But they're going to eat of flesh and drink of blood and bread and water and the essentials of life. And this is not what I'm talking about. I came here so I could get some fish and some what? some bread. I came here to see a miracle perform. I came here just to watch the show and be a part of it. And now Jesus has gotten really down and dirty with them, and he says, therefore, in verse 60, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples were grumbling at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? As a result, in verse 66, it says, Many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So guess what has happened? By the beginning of chapter 6 in John, you have massive amounts of people that are following Christ. He feeds 5,000. So and we, and by the time we get to the other side over here, we don't even know how many have followed over to the other side. So there's thousands of people that are following him. He begins to sit down and teach them about the true sacrifice of having a personal relationship with, with, G, with him himself, the Son of God, and what that truly means for them as individuals and guess what happens by the end of chapter 6 where are they they are gone not only does it say that the crowd is gone it says that many of his what have left disciples his own followers a disciple is a follower so a lot of people that had been following him before he fed the 5,000 are at this point said I'm bailing I'm out of here this is too difficult. These statements, who can understand them? So finally, he turns to the 12, his inner circle of 12 people, and he says, what do you think about this? And Peter, spokesman, stands up and says, Lord, we've left everything for you. We're going to continue to follow you. He didn't know what he was saying, did he? Did he understand truly what, what was going to be required of him? By the time that Jesus gets to the cross, no, he didn't. But he was not willing to quit at that point, even though he did not understand every single bit of it. Broad is the way, expanded is the path that leads to destruction. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross with thousands of people following him. By the time he gets to the cross, almost everybody has what? Walked away from him. His mama still loves him. 
John, because he's a teenager and they probably aren't going to do anything to him yet because he's not a man in their, in their culture yet, he was still around. But all or even the rest of the disciples, by the time he gets to the cross, are where? Gone. Hiding. Why is that? Because it is not a broad way. It is not a way where we go out and can speak to the masses and have them understand this in a mass way. That's not how Christianity works. Our faith is one person to Lord, one person to another person. It is personal relationships. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He just made that statement. Treat others the way you would want to be treated by them if you were in their situation. That's what he said with the golden rule. And then immediately after this, he says, narrow is the way. So when we see God move in our midst through great revival, that has come through great preparation of individuals. Do you get that? We think it's because someone's a great orator or because they're a great man. Billy Graham's a great man because he was strong in his relationship to God. He's not a great man because he was the best speaker in the world ever. He was a great messenger of God because he did what God told him to do and he was faithful to that call and God used him mightily but if you ever read his autobiography there are times of doubt there are times where he is wondering what he's supposed to do if he's going the right direction is he doing the right thing is that the same thing you feel is that the same thing I feel of course it is God gives us what we need to know when we need to know it. And he walks us day by day, step by step in our life. That is not a broad way. A broad way is lengthy vision, able to see it all laid out before you. Narrow is the path. So let's learn more about this. So we see the Lord moved from massive amounts of people following him to now by the end of John chapter 6, there's just a few people following. And it says the narrow is the passage. It's an exclusive way. And I don't know how to say this, but it's an inclusive exclusive. And what I mean by this is this. Jesus has just said in chapter 6, there's no one who's been given to me by God in my hand that shall ever come out of my hand. So if we are children of God, we are what? Children of God. There's no way that any of us are left behind, that he loses us, that we can fall out of our relationship with him. If we are truly a follower of Christ, we are in the hand of God and we cannot come out of that. So it is inclusive. But it is exclusive in the way in which we come to God. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the path. The narrow gate is Christ himself. There is only one way to God. Jesus Christ is not just another prophet. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
He is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to a relationship with our Creator Father. Now, the world looks at that and says, Man, you are what? I'm a bigot. I'm a whatever. I'm, you know, I'm a hater. You know, <laughs> why can't I just get along with everybody else? I can get along with anybody. But that doesn't mean we're all going to be in heaven. That doesn't mean that because you choose to follow someone else or some other faith or have no faith at all, that God's just going to up and allow you to go into his kingdom of heaven. Why? Because you have not trusted in his son. Why is that not truth? For, for that to happen is because God says so in his word. Not only did God say so in his word, but Christ says so himself. Look what Christ says in John chapter 10. Narrow gate, narrow passage. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So Jesus said to them, again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And, I will go, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what does he say about himself there? He says exclusively, he is the what? The gate. He says, I am the door. I am the gate. So it's not like there's 50 million gates. It's not like there's a bunch of different ways. There is one way. And that way is through him, through his life, the shed blood of Christ, of Jesus Christ on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, his sinless life lived, his life born of a virgin. All of that is a way to break the sin line that is humanity and provide a way for us to God. And so in accepting that, we walk through that gate. If you do not accept that and try to climb in some other way, you are a what? A thief and a robber. A thief and a robber. Who does he describe as a thief and a robber later on? Satan himself came to kill, steal, and destroy. It's amazing to me how many false faiths just try to look just like our faith. But when you boil it all down, they cannot deal with Jesus. He's, he's not the, the son of God. I mean, some false faiths believe that he's the brother of Satan. Some false faiths believe that he's, he can't be God. There's no such thing as the Trinity. He's not deity. He's not fully God. He, he wasn't fully man. This is not, there's no way for this to happen. Yes, there is a way. He is that way. He is the only way that God provided for us to, to reach an eternal life with him in heaven. And so why is the path narrow? The path is narrow because the gate is narrow. The gate is narrow because Christ Jesus is the only way to the Father. 
And then, look, if you don't believe, all of Scripture to me boils down to one passage. It's John 14, 6. And it's in your Scripture. What does he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except but through me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whomsoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's great. That's the beginning. But this is the end of Scripture right here. This is the paramount of Scripture. Of the seven statements that Jesus makes about himself in John, which John lays out, this is the one, this is the definitive one. He says, I am the way, the narrow way, the narrow path. I am the truth, and I am the life. So there's only one way, there's only one truth, and there's only one life. And this is what God has ordained for us. This is what Christ fulfills in us. Through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, through his relationship with us, through God creator, redeemer. He justifies us. He makes us righteous. He makes us whole. I'm not righteous of my own self. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. This statement right here completes everything. Everything flows through this. So when he talks about paths of life, and we wonder why it's so difficult for us to be a follower of Christ, it's because it's not the broad way. It's not the easy way. It's not the road that's laid out for everybody. It's the road less traveled. It enters through one gate. I haven't, I've had an opportunity to do a bunch of missional work and to go into places and through these mission through this missional work that it's just been it's been amazing for me. I've been in South America multiple times. I've been in in Africa. I've been in Europe. Um, so uh, Canada. God's just allowed for me to go neat places. One of the places I've been able to go is Machu Picchu in Peru. Um, I've been I've been able to go there twice. And so um, as Machu Picchu was built. It was built with an escape route for the people. And it's actually the way that the people actually, once they were discovered in the, the woods and back up on the mountains and stuff, it's the way that they headed out. So you got all these pictures of Machu Picchu. If you don't know Machu Picchu, go look it up. But it's this basic city that's out, and they laid it out to the gods, and the sun would come through at certain point in times of the year on the solstice. And, you know, just they made sacrifices. It was, it was a crazy culture. It's godless culture. But they provided a way out. So the way out was a path along the mountainside. And I'm not joking, it is no wider than these pews that you're sitting on. And so you can go down that path. And they tell you, you walk at your own risk. And so we went down the path. The path goes for about, about a mile or so that you can go down this path. And you seriously have to stand on the side and let people go by as one's coming one direction and one coming another direction. A lot of people in our group wouldn't even go, but me being me, I decided to go. So it's about, you know, like I said, it's about this way, that, you know, about your little, maybe two body lengths wise at the wide parts. And, and they will tell you, you need to wait here if somebody's coming up so that they can pass by, I mean, you know, because it gets really narrow. Well, when you get down to the end of it, there's, it stops. 
it stops for about the length, um, maybe close to the length of our sanctuary. You know what they did? They threw a board out there. They had cut the mountainside in such a way that the path stopped. So they had built it out where it's like a foot and a half to two feet. So they're going single file as they escape with all their women and children and everything that they possess, and they're headed out, and they cross on this board where they had hewn out the path where there's nothing on this mountainside. And then the last person over is supposed to do what? Throw the board over so nobody can follow them. And we got down all the way to the end, and I'm like, there is no way I'm walking on a board across that. But a lot of people are probably sitting here going, there's no way I'm walking down a path that's the size of my body on the side of a mountain where if I fell and slipped down, I could be down. I mean, it's, it's thousands of feet down to the bottom. Tomorrow's like, why are you ever doing this? I didn't know that. I was taking out an extra insurance policy on you next time you go. <clears throat> but it, my point is, is it was an extremely narrow path. But it was the way for them to life. And when they knew that their life depended on it, every single one of them got on that path. And when they got to that section where it was cut out and they had to walk across a board to get to the other side, guess what they did to escape? They got on it. So when God calls for us to speak to somebody next to us about him, and we go, really know if I want to talk to this person about Jesus because they might get upset we need to understand that degree of difficulty is nothing and if they don't accept you have done what God has told you to do and you have fulfilled your responsibility they have now heard the word and right now their life is on the broad path. And that end is destruction. It is death. And it is separation from the Father. What we have to give to them is the way, the truth, and the life. We don't ever get the opportunity to choose for someone else. Everyone has to make that choice. I can't deem my children to be, ch to be Christians. I can exemplify it. I can teach them. I can share with them. But I can't make them. Everyone individually has to get down and walk that path on their own. And it's narrow. And in some places, it's one by one by one by one so many times we want somebody walking beside us so many times we want to hold somebody else's hand when we're going through the difficult times but there are places in our life where God makes us walk single file and we go one by one others have gone before us others have marked out the path others have worn it down but we're still following and we have to go it ourselves. We need to know that on the other side, we have life. And it's not this life. 
It is life eternal. It's where the streets are paved with the precious jewels of this world. The good stuff here is the dirt road there. We have no idea the glory that is on the other side. We can't even fathom it. In this world, we can't even look upon the Father. In that world, we get to bow down at the throne. Isn't that amazing? Can't even fathom to see the Father. No one has seen the Father. But there, we get to look upon Him. We get to bow down. We get to worship Him. It's hard for me to think that some people wouldn't want that, seeing as what this world is like. But with the Broadway, it's easy. It looks good. You can have it now. And we have to get people off that path. Look, guys, our task is great. It really is. We need to stop trying to be popular and start being faithful. And then as we're faithful, God will use us. But as long as we're trying to be popular and we're trying to win the world to our way, it's not going to work. When we start living the way, that's when God uses us. That's when God takes somebody like Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards read his manuscripts. Now look, isn't this amazing? I stand up in front of you and I'm just talking and talking and talking, just like we're having a conversation. I can't write a manuscript. I had to do it for seminary. I made a C. It was horrible. One of the worst grades I made in seminary was the, the hermeneutics class where I had to write out my sermons. I can't do it. But I can stand up in front and do this all day long. But somebody else has to write it out, has to read it. God can use both of those. Amen? Jonathan Edwards reached a whole lot more people that day than I have ever reached in my life by writing his manuscript and reading it to a group of people. So God can use whatever God wants to use, how he wants to use it, when he wants to use it. We just have to be willing to be the vessel. And that path for us is going to be narrow. And sometimes it's just us and him. But we're okay. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day, and I thank you again for your word. I thank you for the blessings of life. I thank you for the fact that, um, though, Lord, we will never be the popular thing in this world, we do have the truth. And it's not the truth because we say it's the truth. It's the truth because it is what you've said. It's not the way because we're trying to be special. It's the way because 
it's the way you provide it through your son. And it is life, not because we think we're better once we're believers and followers and our lives are perfect and everybody else's are, is not. It's the life because it's life eternal. And it's a life in your presence. And it's a life that we're created for. Help us to look for and attain to the higher things, the higher life. And to lay down and leave behind all of this stuff. And though none go with us, may we follow you. These things we pray, these things we ask in the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing. And this is going to be an opportunity and a time for you to uh, decide um, how you're living, what you're following, what your path is. Right now, you guess what? It said that a, a lot.